me today in our last session, um, glancing um, a little with my Hope that means they're working. Um, our glimpses at the um, Mangalacharana verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And so today's our last session um, in that series. And we'll take a look at uh, the Bhagavatam's third verse. So um, over the last month, we've spent, uh, we spent two sessions on the first verse. One, focusing on some highlights from Srila Prabhupada's purport. Um, and the second, um, some highlights, well, uh, taking a quick look at the five different um, readings that um, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur suggests um, for the first verse of the Bhagavatam. And, uh, and then last week, um, we looked, and now the, that first, the three verses, now I'll, I need to go backtrack here to, to discuss the uh, namaskar for a moment. Uh, as we um, heard from Srila Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami in the first chapter of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, um, Amangala Charna has three parts. It has a namaskar, which offers obeisances, um, recognizes, uh, worships the uh, subject of the deity um, of the text. Um, and in our case, uh, the subject of the text is Vasudeva Krishna. Um, Krishna, the son of Vasudeva and Devaki, the son of uh, Nanda and Yashoda. And um, so there was extensive discussion of uh, how we might read that verse, both in Srila Prabhupada's purport and in the five um, keep having trouble with my AirPods. I'm not sure how I'm connected here. I apologize. Um, and then from Vishwanath Chakravarti, the five readings that Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur suggests. Take a moment just to fiddle with my Bluetooth here because I have a sense that I get better sound from my AirPods. Now it says we're connected. Let's see if that lasts. I have a sense that um, I get better sound from the AirPods than I do from my computer mic. So. Nope, I lost him again. So I'm just going to give up and hope that the sound is good enough uh, through, uh, through the computer's uh, microphone. So the five different readings um, that Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur suggests. And then last week we looked at the second of the verses, which um, uh, the Namaskara and then the Vastu Nirdesha, according to Srila Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Vastu Nirdesha is a statement of, um, well, not just the topic um, of the text, 
but uh, the point of the text. And as we see, uh, when we look at uh, the second verse of, of Srimad Bhagavatam, we get um, very ex told very explicitly, not just what, what the point is that the Bhagavatam makes, but who is the uh, most appropriate audience. And, and we'll get a, a, a little finer look at that in today's verse. And so we saw that um, the, the uh, optimal audience for Srimad Bhagavatam, this uniquely um, uh, wonderful text, is those whose hearts are completely pure because they've given up all self-interest. So we see uh, at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, as Guru Maharaj, uh, Swami Tripurari, uh, frequently points out, at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells us, um, he sums up everything he's actually, he throws out everything he said, in a sense. He says, Sarvadharman parityajya mamekam sharanam ritcha, ahang tvang moksha isham, mashucha. He says, um, listen, in the previous verse, I've said, I've repeated what I said at the very heart um, of the Bhagavatam, the, the chapter often referred to as the most confidential knowledge. And as we look at the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, which is uh, explicitly uh, presenting the most um, confidential of all confidential knowledge, kinds of knowledge, Krishna builds his ex extolling of bhakti as the uh, greatest thing to the point where he gets toward the end in the 30th verse, he says, if someone has one pointed, uh, if someone's aspiration, as Srila Sridhar Maharaj likes to say, we shouldn't, we're going to judge someone, we shouldn't judge them by their present, we should judge, judge them by their, by their future, by their prospects, by their aspiration. And so if someone's aspiration is exclusive devotion to me, even if they completely blow it and do something really awful, not just uh, uh, durachar, but sudurachar, something really, really awful, out of habit, um, because of some bad association or something like that, still that person is to be considered um, a sadhu, a person is to be considered saintly. Because, as he says in the next verse, every bhakti has the power to quickly rectify everything. And the example is given um, by our acharyas that um, if someone has a fever today, but they're taking their medicine, tomorrow the fever will have gone down and the day after the fever will be gone. So we can say, oh, he's really sick today, but he's going to be okay in a couple of days. So bhakti has the power to consume even the reactions to our most um, awful activities. Um, and then he gets to the end and he says, watch out, I'm going to tell you something really secret now. And he says, which boils down to just love me, just, just love me. And then at the end of the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he winds up again. He just really winds it up and says, watch out, here comes something more confidential than anything you've ever heard before. Buckle your seatbelt. And then he says, just love me. And then in the next verse, he tells us practically what that means, what that 
how we express that. And that is sarva dharman parityajya, mamekam sharanam. Take exclusive shelter in Krishna, having given up all conventional conceptions of dharma. Sarva dharman parityajya. Parityajya means not just tyaja means rejecting, parityaja means completely rejecting. And as Guru Maharaj likes to point out, the Bhagavatam picks up at the next step. Right there, right at the next step. And it says, this text is for those uh, who have already completely given up all kinds of cheating religion. Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, Bancha. They've given up um, all the uh, four Purusharthas. Uh, the four values of human life, the four things that we all um, strive to gain, uh, virtue, uh, material progress, pleasure, and uh, ultimately uh, liberation. He says, anyone who's given up the pursuit of the, completely rejected the pursuit of these things, and whose heart is completely pure, therefore completely pure, because they don't have any envy, they have no personal interest. Atmanikshepa, right? And this is um, one of the six characteristics of Shodhanagati, which is the external expression um, of Shraddha or faith in Krishna. So that faith is expressed by having, uh, by Atmanikshepa, by giving up all personal interest, casting it away, th tossing, throwing it away. Uh, so Praujhita in the Bhagavatam's language, completely rejecting Kaitava Dharma. Why Kaitava Dharma? Why cheating religion? Because it's self-centered. It's about my virtue, about my progress, about my pleasure, and about my freedom. But the Bhagavatam is for those who are beyond those things, who've already seen through those things and given them up. Um, and uh, it was given to us by Veda uh, Vyas in his maturity. This is, this is not just Sanskrit. This is Samadhi Pasha. This is the language of trance, the language of mystic trance in love of Krishna, the language of Prema. So then we see in the third verse, the third verse, uh, this is the third part of the Namaskar, which is the uh, Ashirvada or the blessing. And we see sometimes at the end of um, ashtakams or other songs, there will be a palastuti, um, a statement of the fruit of chanting that particular um, prayer uh, to the Lord or to the devotees. Just as we see at the end of Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's um, Gurvashtakam, he says, Srimad Guru Rashtakametu Chai Brahme Mahurte Patiti Priyatnat, Yastena Vrindavananata Sakshat. That if someone um, chants these, these eight beautiful verses glorifying the, uh, the spiritual master daily during the Brahma Mahorta, he will certainly attain direct service to Radha and Krishna. So that's the Palastuti. And here, this um, Ashirvad, this blessing, is very much a Palastuti because of the, the, this very striking image. Uh, that we see in this verse. So the verse, uh, as we know, says, Oh, 
expert and thoughtful men relish Srimad Bhagavatam, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic literatures. It emanated from the lips of Srila Shukadev Goswami. Therefore, this fruit has become even more tasteful. Although its nectarian juice was already relishable for all, including the liberated souls. So um, in his purport to this third verse, third verse following Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, Srila Prabhupada points out um, uh, the um, full implications of the, of the uh, uh, reference to rasa in this verse, to taste. So um, he talks about the 12 uh, stayipadas, uh, the five uh, mukhya ratis and the, and the seven uh, gauna ratis. Uh, and and we, we study those in the um, third and fourth um, sections of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And um, so he explores those and he shows how the Bhagavatam is actually to effect or bring about our experience of these rasas according to our um, according to our qualification. And so we see here that not only is this meant for those who are pure at heart, as we see in verse two, but this is meant for bhavukas. Bhavuka, Srila Prabhupada gives bhavuka here as expert and thoughtful. Um, Monier Williams gives it, and his citation for this is this verse, is the Bhagavatam verse. Um, those who are expert at um, uh, those who are expert at relishing beauty and 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 poetry and music, beauty in the arts, especially. Um, and and then we'll see as we look at uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on this verse. We'll see something even a little more in, in a little while. So Srila Prabhupada points out that um, rasa is an exchange of love. And that um, in order to exchange rasa, we require persons. So this verse specifically tells us that this is going to be about personal love. Um, this isn't um, uh, for those who are in, who are merged in in sayujimukti. Uh, they can't appreciate this at all. Liberated souls can. Liberated souls, um, those those who um, are free from material bondage, um, can relish it more than anybody. Um, but really, it's especially for the pavukas. For those who have taste for rasa. And so Srila Prabhupada says, um, this is, therefore, one who attains full knowledge of these different rasas, the 12 uh, stai bhavas, the five mukhya ratis and the, and the seven gona ratis that, uh, that we study in, in Nectar of Devotion and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Um, Someone who has full knowledge of these different rasas, which are the basic principle of activities. I mean, everything we do, um, even in the material world, is to get some taste. We uh, do 
uh, we engage in different activities to, to get the, uh, some pleasure from them. We engage with other people um, in order to enjoy their company, in order to exchange, and uh, in, in order to enjoy some kind of exchange with them. Um, um, he says that, the, that they can understand that the false representations of the original Russes, which are, the, they can understand the falsity uh, of the, the Russes that we see in the material world. We can see their um, flaws, their limitations at least. And so he says, in this shloka, it is um, definitely stated that spiritual Russa, which is relished even in the liberated stage, can be experienced in the literature of the Bhagavatam due to its being the ripened fruit um, of, the, uh, of all Vedic knowledge. And the way he says uh, to uh, taste that fruit is by submissively hearing. And then Srila Prabhupada um, talks about how uh, the, uh, this has to be received from exactly the right source. So he talks about Guru Parampara, said it was brought by Narada Muni from the spiritual world given to his disciple Vyasadeva, and Vyasadeva in turn um, delivered the message of the Bhagavatam to his son Srila Shukadeva Goswami, who gave it to Maharaj Parikit in turn. And so Srila Prabhupada points out that we need to be qualified to hear, but also we need to hear from the right source. And he talks about how, oops, um, how important it is to receive this fruit through the chain of disciplic succession. So he writes uh, in his purport, the subject matter is so presented through the lips of Srila Shukadeva Goswami that any sincere listener who hears submissively can at once relish transcendental tastes, which are distinct from the perverted tastes of the material world. Then he, and then he really focuses on disciplic succession. The ripened fruit is not dropped all of a sudden from the highest planet of Krishna Loka. Rather, it has come down carefully through the chain of disciplic succession without change or disturbance. So sometimes if you have a very high tree, very tall tree, um, and the ripest fruit uh, is up at the top, and maybe you don't have a picker that's long enough um, with a, uh, a handle that's long enough to get up there, someone may have to climb up there, but they're not just going to throw it down to me on the ground. Next to me, I have a couple of mango trees next to the hut where I stay here. I have a couple of mango trees that are probably 40 or, or more feet tall. And um, sometimes the very best fruits would be up there at the top where there's plenty of sunshine. So if someone were to climb, we have one devotee here who's an arborist and actually grew up largely on this property. And he's uh, an, an incredibly expert tree climber. Uh, and he could climb up into that tree and pick those mangoes, but he wouldn't throw them down to me on the ground. He would have someone on the branch below him and hand it to that person. And that person would hand it to someone and that ripe mango would be handed down very carefully because if they dropped it, I might not catch it. And even if I did, it might hurt my hands or it might hit my hands too hard and uh, squish the fruit, maybe even break the fruit. We don't want that. So the fruit would be handed down very carefully. So he says, rather, 
It has come down carefully through the chain of disciplic succession without change or disturbance. Um, the process of disciplic succession of the Bhagavat school, and this is an important point, suggests that in the future also, Srimad Bhagavatam has to be understood from a person who is factually a representative of Shukadeva Goswami. So Srila Prabhupada makes this a uh, very uh, big point. Uh, and um, he addresses it, especially in terms of professional recitation of Bhagavatam, the um, paid Bhagavat Saptahas that um, um, have been famous or infamous, depending on uh, your perspective uh, in India for eons. But the real essence there is that we need to hear it from someone who actually has expertise in relishing that taste. Um, so Srila Prabhupada points out that uh, the serious student of Srimad Bhagavatam should receive the message of the Bhagavatam through the chain of disciplic succession coming from Srila Shukadeva Goswami himself. So that's, um, uh, those are some highlights from Srila Prabhupada's uh, purport. I'm gonna take a look at uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, who makes the same points um, about the importance of disciplic succession, handing the um, fruit down. So when, um, when I talked about uh, this Ashirvad Shloka, this blessing Shloka actually being a Palastuti, we see Pala means fruit in Sanskrit. And so we actually have very, not literally, but, but in the richest of figurative language, um, we see the Bhagavatam as a fruit, as the ripened fruit um, of the tree of Vedic knowledge. Now, Shukadeva Goswami points out elsewhere in his Tika that we can't actually find this fruit in the Vedas. Okay, let me see if I can find that one. He says, Krishna is rasa, the fruit, but this fruit is not directly situated on the tree of the Vedas. It has fallen down nearby, Galitam. It has fallen down nearby. This object, rasa, is not on the tree itself. It is not to be searched out in the Vedas, but rather it is to be found in the mouth of Shuka. And both Srila Prabhupada and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur point out a Shuka, Shuka in, uh, means parrot. It's a name for a parrot. And that when a parrot tastes um, a mango, uh, the mango becomes sweeter by that, that parrot's having pecked at the mango. I'm not quite sure how that happens, but we do have of course, we have a lot of birds here in Honolulu, but we, uh, in our neighborhood, we have um, some uh, green parrots, ring-necked green, green parrots who fly in pairs. There's one pair that we see quite frequently, um, and sometimes we'll see uh, one or two other pairs of, of these uh, ring-necked green parrots uh, flying in the neighborhood, and they will land in the mango trees, and they will taste those mangoes. Um, especially those that are high up, away from where anyone uh, might uh, easily pick them. So he says that 
we, this particular fruit can't actually be found in the Vedas. It's fallen from the tree. When a fruit gets very ripe, it falls from the tree. So we try to pick it as close to possible as when we're going to use it before it falls, because if it falls, it might break. So this fruit has fallen um, down. It's but very near the tree. So he says, one may say that Bias, knowing that this fruit was, fruit was very tasty, took it and put it in the mouth of his son out of affection. So, and then he says, Sukhamuhat can also indicate a cause, that the rasa becomes sweeter because of coming from the mouth of Shukadev. And we can see practically uh, through the commentaries uh, of Acharyas like Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, uh, Sridhar, the ancient Sridhar Swami, um, and, and uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, Srila Prabhupada, and, and our Srila Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, how these um, texts, especially the Srimad Bhagavatam, becomes even more um, accessible, more readily relishable when we get it from the mouth um, of our acharyas who are tuned um, most specifically in to the needs of their um, particular audience. So, um, and then, oh, this is nice. He says, uh, Bhuvi indicates Brajabhumi. Bhavuka and Rasika indicate the dear gopis. These are the devotees who are most expert at tasting rasa. So he says, drink the sweetness of the rasa arising from his form, the Bhagavatam, or it mean, can means um, relish the rasa up to the point of embracing Krishna, alaya. Now, um, we uh, see earlier something that we hear often from Guru Maharaj, um, how to taste this ripened fruit of the tree of Vedic knowledge, which has fallen from that tree nearby. Just as Krishna says, in, in, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we understand that this fruit can't actually be found in the tree, because even in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that we should be wary of the flowery words of the Vedas. Um, the Vedas present the four Purusharthas, Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. And because, um, because of the focus on those things and the lack of attention to um, exclusive devotional service to Krishna, Narada Muni refers to them in um, the first canto of the Bhagavatam with a very striking word, Jugupsita. Jugupsita means detestable. So because uh, they um, may have a tendency to distract people from this point, uh, from this particular goal, this panchama purusharta, this real prayojana, prema prayojana, um, therefore they're, they're uh, considered detestable, at least um, in, uh, in comparison with Srimad Bhagavatam. It's not that the Vedas and the Mahabharata and the Ramayana are inherently detestable because they are all meant uh, for the elevation of human, humankind 
and um, and even um, for enjoying um, some Russia to some extent, some of the scriptures. But um, next to the Bhagavatam, they're all not just useless, but perhaps even uh, detestable, Jukupasita. So this fruit is different. Um, so Vishwanath, when he talks about the fruit being passed down from branch to branch, coming down step by step um, through uh, Shukadeva Goswami to King Parikit, from Sutta Goswami to the sages of Naimisharam and, and, and so on. Then he uh, poses a question. How is this fruit to be consumed? That is explained, he says. One should drink it. For this fruit is the essence of taste, rasam. It doesn't have skin. It doesn't have a seed. It doesn't have strings. It doesn't have anything objectionable at all. And um, then he talks about how, how uh, we should enjoy it, the extent to which we should drink uh, this juice, this rasa. It says laya means liberation or attaining the conditions of, uh, it, can, it can mean uh, sayuja mukti, but it also can mean attaining salokya, sarshti, samipya, and, uh, and sarupya. So it means that this fruit goes beyond liberation. Or he says, laya can refer to the eighth of the ashtasattvika bhavas, the eight involuntary um, physical expressions of bhava. We're talking about bhavukas here. People who are expert in relishing, expert in tasting, people in bhava. So the um, last, the eighth of the ashtasattvika bhavas, the eight involuntary expressions of bhava is pralaya. So Abhishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, here when we talk about laya, we could be talking about pralaya. So, therefore, we should drink until we develop the eight symptoms, all the way up to the final one, pralaya, fainting, dead away. So we should drink until we pass out. And then he says, though one will not be able to drink the nectar when one is fainted, when the fainting wears off, one again awakens to consciousness and again begins drinking until one faints again. And then he says, one cannot give up drinking. In other words, um, when we've developed the taste for this, it means we're addicted to that taste. We become addicted to that taste. Just as we see in the fifth chapter, those who experienced um, those who've engaged in devotional service to Krishna are called rasagraha. They're, they become haunted by rasa, Vishwanath says, as if by a ghost one can, that we can't shake. Um, so we become addicted to this fruit. And when the fainting wears off, we again regain consciousness and begin drinking until we pass out again. So this, this is how we enjoy 
uh, relishing Srimad Bhagavatam, we drink through the ears um, from the mouth um, of the sadhu, um, the mouth of the guru. And then he says, uh, and this is the um, third um, understanding of the word pavuka that I referred to earlier. He says, there's another reading of pavuka. And that would mean those who, uh, persons who perform actions for tasting that which is beautiful. So in other words, drunkards. In, in Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's um, metaphor here, um, these would be drunkards. These would be people who are completely addicted to this, um, to, to the taste um, of this fruit, which is nothing but juice, no seed, no skin, no strings, nothing but juice, and the sweetest possible juice, having been tasted by Shukadev, Sutta, and, and uh, so many other acharyas. And then he cites Patanayaka, who I assume is a probably a Sanskrit grammarian who's composed a, some kind of Sanskrit dictionary, says that a permanent emotion is established by actions related to tasting the beautiful. So we see uh, at the very beginning of the Pakti Rasamrita Sindhu, when uh, Uttama Pakti or, or pure devotional service, Shuddha Bhakti, is defined, it's action, it's activity. It's not just a sentiment, but it's an ongoing active culture uh, of behavior that's intended to give pleasure to Krishna, right? Uh, that's how we find it in the 11th verse uh, of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So in other words, so these are, um, uh, the Bhavukas are people who are constantly bellying up to the bar uh, of Srimad Bhagavatam and asking for another. A tall one, please, if you, tall one, if you please. Um, and he says, no one else can be, can be able to, would be able to claim this. Um, he says, uh, Mahur um, may have another meaning. Though one has drunk it by again drinking it, one develops more relish for it. Um, this refers only to the devotees, for they develop rati or pava, which becomes the stai pava. Comes one of those 12 uh, mukhya ratis or gonga ratis. So then he says, um, in that position, they can taste the rasa of the Bhagavatam. Oh, auspicious persons, pabuka, another meaning, very auspicious, uh, very fortunate. We see that in Monia Williams as well. Uh, you are the most auspicious and those who can't relish this taste, inauspicious. Um, so he says, uh, pabuka means those who appreciate the Lord who himself is rasa personified. We see that in the Upanishads, raso by saha, right? Krishna, God is rasa. And rasa means not just love. Sometimes I'll say, oh, this suggests God is love. But this isn't some kind of static love. This isn't some sort of mm, sentiment um, or static appreciation of the Lord. This is an, act, an ongoing, uh, progressive activity 
engaged in with the intention of giving pleasure to the Lord. So, um, so these are um, a number of the points that uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur makes um, with relation to this verse. I wanted to see if I have anything. No, actually, that is pretty much it. So this verse tells us, you know, not just the blessing, but how we can receive that blessing. So we approach, um, uh, we approach the guru uh, with a couple of attitudes, right? Krishna tells us in Bhagavad Gita, tadbiddhi pranipatena, pariprashnena sevaya. Three things um, are um, necessary for um, our being eligible to taste the um, sweetness of the instructions. Guru Mukha Padma Vakya Chitete Kodiyaki. That we live for um, the words that come from the Guru's mouth. Um, so, Tadbidhi Pranipatena, Pranipat, Pariprasna, and Savya. Three, so these three elements need to be there in our approach to the bartender um, at, the, at the bar of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, so pranipat means submission. What's the old proverb we hear from like samurai texts or something like that? Um, uh, chop, uh, chop wood, carry water. So uh, Chanakya Pandit tells us that just as we get, oh, well, actually, I'm, I'm, uh, so, so Pranipat means submission. I want to get to the other one. I want to use the other one later. Uh, means submission. It means that we hear with an open heart. We approach, we um, understand that the guru is superior. The guru is, um, uh, in the language of the Bhagavatam, the sum total of all the demigods, in a sense. And, um, so we approach very submissively. Whatever the guru says, we are eager to hear. Pariprashna. Pariprashna means um, relevant inquiries, inquiries relevant to the particular subject matter. Hmm. And here we're talking about Brahma Jigyasa, right? Not just Brahma Jigyasa, but Rasa Jigyasa. We're talking about inquiries into the nature of, of actually tell, uh, relishing the taste uh, of service to the Lord. And that brings up the third quality with which we should approach the guru. The third quality with which we should um, approach, uh, we, that we should bring to our um, attempts to relish Srimad Bhagavatam, and that is seva. So we see in you know, like some of these samurai stories that the student has to chop wood, carry water. Uh, the student, student engages in whatever service the guru requires, even if it's even if you come from a very in, in Vedic culture, even if you come from a very high class Brahmana family, um, we approach the guru as menial servants, eager to do whatever the, the guru requires. And speaking of chop wood, carry water, we see that example even in Krishna himself, when he was in the school of Sandipani Muni with his friend Sudama. We know that they went out to the forest um, one night and were caught in a terrible rainstorm 
because some firewood was needed for the next day's homer. So, Tadvidhi pranipatena pariprashnena and sevaya. These three things are required for um, actually being able to relish the taste of Srimad Bhagavatam. This helps us become helps us become Bhagavatas. It helps us become expert and thoughtful. It helps us become oh, maybe a little mad after hearing uh, the Bhagavatam. So this is how we drink this. This is how we relish this fruit. We drink it through our ears from the mouths um, of the satus, um, especially uh, the spiritual master. Okay, so um, it's about quarter after the hour now. And I think this would be a good time uh, for me to stop and uh, entertain any discussion, questions um, or comments um, uh, with which we can wrap up um, our um, dabbling, just kind of like dipping our toes in the edge of the ocean uh, of the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam's uh, Mangalachara. So I believe the settings are that so the devotees can uh, unmute themselves. I'm going to stop the sharing so I can see who's here. Oh, I see Connie. Catalina. Any comments, questions? Good morning, Maharaj. I have oh, something. Conor, I can't hear you. Oh, let's see. Let me fix my buttons. You may have to fiddle with some control under the. Oh, maybe I need to do something. I think I need to un unmute the original audio. Okay, let's see what happens now. Conor, can you hear me now? Oh, I certainly can. The classic. Can you hear me now? The. Yeah. Uh, so I just I had um. One bit of insight about the nature of the mango becoming sweeter after it's been pecked by the mango. And this is a, a, a little bit different, but in the north, like up in Finland and Estonia, I think that those guys traditionally, um, if they wanted to harvest wood for um, building with, building houses or whatever, they would they would actually damage, they would take an ax and, and a longer implement, uh, like a sharp implement on a long handle and they would damage the bark of the tree. Um, and they would even like make a girdle around the trunk of the tree and then wait for a year or some time. And the nature of that injury to the tree would cause the sugar, the sugars in the tree to mature in the right way. And that wood would be even more valuable or long lasting or something like that. So I assume that the science behind the tasting of the mango, um, that would be a similar science. Perhaps, perhaps something like that. I'm a little startled to hear that they would girdle the tree because my experience is, well, if they just cut the bark, if they don't cut into the phylum, I guess it would be one thing. But I had to, uh, at our home, on the big island when I was um, in family life, in the very back of our lot was an, an enormous albizia tree. 
Albizzi is a it's a it's a tree that was introduced there because it fixes nitrogen in the soil, mm. and um, but it's also a, an invasive species and very prolific, and it's it became a nuisance outward because the wood is very brittle. Um, Albizzi wood is very brittle, so it's a little dangerous to have a lot of Albizzi trees around your place. Um, the, if a storm comes, and storms do come in Hawaii, um, then you know you may have branches um, falling in your yard or on your house. Although generally, out where I live, we don't have we keep the trees away from the house because we live on uh, catchment water that we water that we catch on our roofs that um, goes into um, a, a, a cistern, a, a catchment tank, and that's the water that we drink and and, and uh, bathe and clean things with, which is really cool. We wash our hair with rainwater. So we have very soft hair when we live out there. Um, but so I had this huge albizia tree in the back of our lot. And every year when it was in season, I would see thousands, just thousands of albizia seeds floating throughout the neighborhood, alighting in, in my neighbor's yards. Um, and so there would be thousands upon thousands of little albizia trees sprouting up in, in my neighbor. So I just, I realized as, as much as it hurts to do so, I have to kill this tree. And I did it because uh, it was, it's huge. I mean, I don't remember how big around it was. The, the diameter of the trunk was probably seven or eight feet. It was just an wow. enormous tree. And they're quite lovely. Uh, they're really nice looking trees, but the wood is so brittle and they're so, they spread so easily that um, they're just seen as a nuisance. So um, I had to girdle the tree um, and, and the results were quite dramatic. It died very quickly and within a few months, I, me I remember the first time I heard a, a very large branch fall from the tree and this is way back in our lot. Um, I, I heard the crash and it was so loud that I, it took me a moment to, to try to figure out what it was. So I was a little startled to hear about, hear about that they might girdle the tree. But if they just cut into the bark and uh, just cut the bark and don't um, uh, harm the phylum, then perhaps it's, uh, you know, it, it, it'll be okay. So yeah, it might be something, it might be something like that. It might be something that, you know, when the bird pecks into the, to the fruit that it stimulates the production of sugars even more quickly than just the sun and, and, and the maturing of the fruit, that it, it hastens the, the fruit's maturation. Mm. A little hard to say. Thank you for that though. Yeah, thank you for being such a charming barkeep. <laughs> uh, Sharda has a question. Would you say Ted, that to have a taste for hearing the Bhagavatam, one would have to have reached the point of ruchi or a taste for the Lord's name first. Um, we might think that. Uh, we might think something like that ordinarily. Now, the more elevated we are, the finer and sharper that taste will be. But in his um, commentary um, on a verse in the fifth chapter of, of the first canto of the Bhagavatam, where Narada Muni is explaining to Vyasadeva just why it is he's feeling despondent, why he's feeling depressed. 
Um, and he's pointing out the difference between bhakti and everything else. And so I mentioned this verse before. I, uh, this is one of my uh, very favorite of my 18,000 favorite verses of Srimad Bhagavatam, um, where he says that even, even if we fall away from our practice, and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says we might do that because of um, poor determination, Srila Prabhupada says because of uh, bad association. Even if we give up our practice, he says a couple of verses earlier in the 17th verse, that, you know, as we know, to get the fruit of jnana khanda or karma khanda or even yoga khanda, we have to practice them practically perfectly, um, to, even to get the fruit. And even when we get the fruit, it's temporary. Even if we attain svarga, uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, when your credit wears out, when that pious credit that got you to svarga is exhausted, then chine punya Then you have to come back down to a place like this, where everything is just nasty. I, we have nice moments, but you know, we we were just we the, the world has been thinking recently about um, finally after a couple of years perhaps emerging from this pandemic that we've been immersed in for the last two years. And here, I'm, I'm just hearing in Hawaii, we're about to reopen our, our Govinda's restaurant sometime in the uh, middle or, or late part of next month, because very soon in the next few days, even mask restrictions will be lifted here in Hawaii. I'm not sure to what extent, but it sounds like, so we're, the world is thinking, okay, maybe, you know, if another crazy variant doesn't show up, maybe we'll be able to emerge from this pandemic and then boom, Russia invades Ukraine. And now we've got a war that could be very dangerous. So whatever it is we think is going on that's nice in this world, it's not going to last. Krishna describes the material world in two words in, in Bhagavad Gita, Dhukalayam Ashashvata. There's suffering, and it's temporary. Now we can take solace that in the fact that even the suffering is temporary, but the, certainly the things that we attain, that we aspire for, they're also temporary, and that creates some kind of suffering. So, uh, so um, Narada Muni is telling Vyasadeva that um, even if you even if you don't execute your bhakti perfectly, and just as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, bhakti is so powerful, it's so distinct from everything else that it can pure that, that it can purify us even um, of the results of the most sinful activities if it's there in the heart. So we don't have to do it perfectly. We can even blow it big time. So he says that nothing is lost, just as Krishna says in the Gita, there's no loss or diminution for one who's on this path. He says, um, nothing is lost because there will always remain the memory of that taste that one got serving the lotus feet of the Lord, that rasa grahat, we, became, we, we remain haunted by that rasa. And then he says in his commentary on this verse, okay, Carolina, am I going too fast? Okay, um, I get excited about this. Um, so he says, so rasagraha sounds like 
Well, at least it's got to be uh, ruchi or asakti, right? At least there's got to be ruchi or asakti. He says, but actually, this begins from our very first day of worshiping the Lord. And then he cites a verse from the 11th canto, um, the instructions to King Nimi by the Navayogendras, um, showing that uh, it, it, he uh, the verse compares it. I don't remember which of the sages. I still haven't memorized that wonderful chart that, um, uh, that Sakyarati and Sham have made for me. Um, I have to flog myself for a little bit, maybe to remind myself. But um, one of the sages says that he compares it with eating a meal. So he says, just as when we eat a meal, three things happen simultaneously, simultaneously and progressively. Tushti, pushti, kshudapaya. So some pleasure, some nourishment, and relief from hunger. And it begins with the very first morsel of rice. So, um, so, so it is with bhakti. Three things happen simultaneously when we actually engage in worshiping the Lord. Bhakti, a sense of devotion, actual devotion itself because we're actively worshiping the Lord. Pareshanobhava, uh, virakti. So pareshanobhava means uh, bhakti, um, direct experience of the Lord. And sometimes that even can be something as simple as relishing the taste of some really nice prasadam or um, a really um, enlivening discourse uh, of Hari Kata um, or a really um, wonderful kirtan that carries us away um, on its waves. Bhakti Pareshanobhava and Viraktiranyatva detachment from everything else. So bhakti is that pleasure, pareshanobhava is the nourishment of the pushti, and um, the pareshano, uh, the viraktiranyatra uh, is the kshudapaya, uh, uh, the slaking or, or relief um, from hunger. And so Vishwanath uh, Chakravarti Thakur uses this verse um, to uh, uh, support his assertion that the ability to relish that taste begins from the very first day of our worshiping the Lord. It can begin from um, the very first day of hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. To some extent, it won't be as intense as when we actually become a bhavuka, when we actually um, are driven a little crazy uh, by hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, when we become addicts, drunkards. Um, but there will be some taste there. And look at us. Here it is. Um, there's more than a half a dozen of us gathered together here um, to hear some guy prattle on for an hour about one verse in Srimad Bhagavatam. Very cool verse. Um, so, you know, even we have some taste. Padmanabha Maharaj, I have enough of a taste that Padmanabha Maharaj was able to induce me to just, just like break right in the middle of my morning program and, um, um, and, 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 uh, and, and spend it with you all so that we can discuss these things. I see there's another chat here. Oh, that's a thank you. Yeah, so it's a progressive thing, but it begins from our first um, taste 
um, of Srimad Bhagavatam. And I think many of us have, uh, you know, we're able to have some, we, 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 if we're honest, we've, we have some experience that, uh, that confirms this. Uh, is there anything else? Next month, uh, we'll discuss the um, 10 offenses against the holy name. Padmanabha Maharaj has managed to string me out for one more month. I was just thinking, oh, I, I, need, a, I need one month when I have one, you know, when I don't have this complication in my morning program. And Padmanabha Maharaj says, um, could you talk about something in March? I have a couple of ideas and we like to this idea. So starting next Friday, um, we'll um, discuss um, the 10 offenses against the holy name, um, particularly in the light of, there's some discussion in the Bhakti Sandarbha and, um, and certainly there's Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Harinam and Shantamani, where um, as he is wont to do, Lord Chaitanya makes one of his devotees, the teacher and himself, the student. And Haridas Thakur instructs uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the glories of the holy name by emphasizing the importance of avoiding um, taking them casually in any way at all. I thank you, special thanks to Padmanabha Maharaj and to Sakirati and uh, Shamananda for facilitating this, for Karolina and the others who serve as interpreters when we uh, are able to have them and to all of you um, for uh, giving me such a nice uh, boost, bhakti boost uh, to my morning. Now I get to go see Sri Sri Panchatatra with this bhakti boost uh, to propel me. Thank you, Hare Krishna. We'll see you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.